it is such a myth that for somebody to be a truly wonderful leader, they have to be wildly extroverted and confident because people who identify in all different ways and in all different ranges make incredible leaders. That's Julie Parker on Sacred Leadership. And this is episode 116 of the Aligned Performance Podcast. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a beautiful day today. If you are a new listener to the show, then welcome. And if you are a returning listener, then welcome back. I'm so glad to share this space with you again. My name is Trang. I am a purpose and performance coach and speaker and your host for the show. And I am so excited to share with you this episode today on leadership through a different lens. For quite a long time, I remember one of my favorite books was The Leader Who Had No Title by Robin Sharma. I loved this book because a core message in the book was that you don't need a title to be a leader. You don't need to have a particular profession or label to have an impact. You just need to be a human being. And by showing up and expressing your best every single day, you have the power to influence and inspire and impact everything that you touch. And in this episode, Julie Parker is going to share a deeper and expansive perspective on leadership. Julie is a mentor and coach of over 20 years, a counselor, a priestess, the author of Priestess the Book, founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and the Priestess Temple School, host of the Priestess Podcast and co-curator of TEDx Cecil Street, Melbourne. So Julie has been in leadership for quite a while and has incredible perspectives and experiences to share with us. In this episode, Julie talks about sacred leadership, leadership from the ego versus the heart, how to take courage and leadership to go against the crowd, battling our inner voice of fear, busting myths around leadership, and so much more. This is an incredible episode. Julie exudes such peaceful and wise energy and shares practical insights for you to rise up to claim your power as a leader in your role as a human being. So let's get into it. This is episode 116 with Julie Parker. Welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast, Julie. I am so excited to be sharing this conversation with you. How are you going today? I'm so well, thank you, Trang, and I'm really honored to be here. I'm honored to be having this conversation with you, Julie. I I first came across you a few months ago after um, seeing that you co-curated TEDx Cecil Street in Melbourne, and I've been following you ever since, and I've just been really interested in everything that you have to share. Like you're full of wisdom and inspiration and you've got this really soothing energy. So I'm, I'm ready to be in your energy for the next hour as well as share <laughs> this conversation for other listeners so that they can um, benefit immediately and for their future selves as well. Well, let's hope that lots of people get something really Reaching and uh, soothing out of it. <laughs> yes, perfect. I would love to start with checking in with how you're going, because I know for me, you know, we're we're in December now. Um, we're both in Victoria in Australia, and like the weather's getting warmer. We're we're getting to the end of the year. I'm feeling excited to wrap up an incredible year, and I'm full of anticipation for 2023. So I'm really excited about a lot of things at the moment, as cliche as that sounds. So for you, Julie, what are you deeply excited about at the moment? What a beautiful question. And thank you so much for asking it of me, because I am genuinely excited about many things in my life and business at the moment as well. And I'm also in a deeply liminal space too. Um, And what I mean by that is a feeling of being in between 
things. My husband and I are building a home in West Gippsland in Victoria. We're making a change to the country. We're both country kids by birth, uh, lived in Melbourne for many years and so sort of returning to country roots. And so we're temporarily renting a place and that's great and but it's also are we there yet? You know, and mm. it's like I'm I'm here but I'm not fully here because I'd love to be in that new house. And also lots of shifts and transitions in business as well. And so I'm excited for the future and 2023 mm. and beyond but also needing to remind myself not to forget about the present moment as well and that even though that can feel a bit sticky and in between, it's still worthy of my presence and attention right now. That's so beautifully said, Julie. Like having the combination and having both aspects of anticipation for the future, like moving into a new house and all the changes in your business, but also being here because the present moment is all we really have, hey? Without question, you know, and I mm. think that as cliche as it does sound, the more we can ground ourselves into our present reality, even if that feels sticky or difficult or not very comfortable, the less likely we are to to future trip, to become anxious, to become worried, to let our imagination or our ego flare and carry us away into places and into things and scenarios that have yet to even happen. And that's not always easy. Uh, it's not always easy when we want to plan for a beautiful, big, bright future for ourselves and we want certain things to unfold in life and business and career in a certain way. But I think yeah, the more that we can just really be present in the actual moments that are just right with us at that time, the more likely we are to create something conscious and wonderful for our future anyway. Mm, absolutely. So since following you over the last few months, I have seen you embody and talk about leadership with a fresh take that I hadn't seen much of or had a chance to model off for a lot of my life. So that's why in today's episode, Julie, we are going to be talking about leadership, specifically sacred leadership, which is a concept that, that you talk about a lot and something that you embody deeply. So I want to start off with this question for, for the listeners to get a grasp on. What is sacred leadership and what does it look or feel like? Mm. This is a really big question, Trang, and I want to be honest with you right from the start and say that it's also one that if anyone is answering it honestly, is going to have to come forth with the concept and idea and truth that it is something that is nuanced and it is something that is different for everyone. There is no one singular definition and the truth is, is that if you were to ask me what sacred leadership is on one day, I may give you one answer and then in a number of months, six months, another year's time, I might give you another one. And so there's not a, a dictionary style, this is it sort of scenario here, okay? But what I can tell you is that at least for me and the, the love and exploration and adventuring that I've done with sacred leadership is that it's a very different form of leadership, as you've already alluded to, that many people may have been influenced by or seen for a good portion of their life. And the primary reason for that is because sacred leadership is all about your inner world and what it is that you need to do to come to be at peace and terms and comfort with who you are as a human being and an understanding that everything in life that you do or you don't do, that you touch, that you are involved in, that you're connected to is sacred. And therefore, all the decisions that you make in life, you have a deep reverence and understanding has an impact on your family, your friends, your colleagues, your clients, uh, 
your world around you. And so really, I think when we think about a definition of sacred leadership, one of the best ways to think about it is what it's not. And so what it's not is a lot of the leadership that we see in particularly in positions of power in today, like politics, government, etc. Now, there are exceptions to this rule, but what we see a great deal of in those places is a lot of what I refer to as pale, stale, male, uh, hierarchical, patriarchal, fueled uh, forms of leadership. Somebody always believing that they need to be out the front, that they have to be the loudest, that they have to get people to do what they tell them to do. Um, it's very authoritarian in many ways. And if you even look up the dictionary definition of leadership or some definitions of leadership, some of them basically believe that leadership is your capacity to be able to get other people to do what you tell them to. Mm. That's not sacred leadership. <laughs> sacred leadership yeah. comes from the perspective that, you know, we, we're all here in humanity together and your needs should be elevated just as much as mine, that everyone should have a voice, um, that decision-making is something that can be done um, collectively and reverently, um, where we uplift, especially those people in our world who are the most marginalised and disenfranchised and find ways for them to have a greater voice, greater equity, greater say, um, that our earth is sacred, that animals are sacred, that, you know, everything that we touch in life, we can have an impact on in some way. And that starts from within. And that's one of the core tenets of sacred leadership is that it involves us really looking at who am I as a person and what do I need to heal, to love, to mend, to look at for myself with self-compassion so I can show up in the world as the fullest expression of myself. So first and foremostly, it involves looking inside of ourselves before we even think about looking outside at anyone else. Wow. That that moved me, Julie. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and, and firstly, thank you for like expressing that with so much um, so much truth and integrity that yeah, there's there's no dictionary definition of sacred leadership. And as much as us humans might want to box things and understand things, as you say, it's very nuanced and it changes day to day. Changes from one person to another. It looks very different. And I love that you share. It, it starts within, and how we show up, and what we think, what we do. Like even behind closed doors, even if it's not involving other people directly, like that is, is sacred leadership. It most definitely is. And that is a really wonderful example there. And I know that you are a coach and a space holder um, and somebody who inspires other people. And I think that sacred leadership for coaches and space holders is something that is deeply important because if we don't work on our own inner world and what it is that we do for us behind closed doors, then that has the potential to really seep into our sessions with our clients where we can become overly concerned about ourselves instead of being an empty vessel and fully present for our clients. And what I mean by that is we can spin out in our own heads around things such as, am I doing this right? Do they like me? Um, you know, oh, I think I'm getting this wrong, all of that sort of stuff. Those are loving signs that someone needs to work as a space holder more on their inner world. Uh, and, and that's where we get to really do that and, and allow our leadership to come forth, which in turn then acts as an inspiration, I believe, for others to do the same for themselves. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned before, Julie, about how you know, the typical representation of leadership in today's world may not be uh, representative of sacred leadership. And I'm, I'm curious, like, if you're happy to share, 
have you had a particular experience or is there something that you've observed personally that has led you to land on on this observation and land on yeah, embodying and advocating for sacred leadership? Yeah, well, that's a really wonderful question, Trang. And in truth, I think it's everywhere. If I'm being really honest, mm. I see it everywhere. And I, I, I see it and I hear it and I feel it, not just in my lived experience, but in the conversations that I have with you know, people all around me, you know, we only have to really think about uh, who are the most powerful people in the world that whether right, wrong or indifferent, often wrong, I believe, are getting to make decisions on behalf of far, far too many people to see that we are lacking in sacred leadership and care for humanity and all in so many different ways. We still, in the 21st century, are hundreds and hundreds of years after, you know, global famines around the world have people that go to bed hungry every night. We're in a mental health crisis. Uh, White supremacy uh, is still uh, rampant throughout the world. Women, and especially Black, Indigenous and women of colour, do not get paid the same, not only as men, but as other white women. We have increasing incidences of domestic violence that are occurring, uh, again, disproportionately affecting women and transgender people throughout the world. There's gun violence. There is Indigenous land dispossession. All of these things are existing within our world today. Now, this is not to say that there are not glorious things about life. There are. Of course there are. But there's also a lot that leaves a great deal to be desired about who's making laws, who's making decisions and how they're being made. Are we all being uplifted? Are we all being heard? Are the voices of everyone being taken into account? I don't necessarily believe that they are, but I do believe that more and more people are recognising that and wanting there to be a change. And, And that's what, you know, really sacred leadership becomes about. It becomes about looking at how can I be the very, very best person I can be first of all, and then with that, take that out into the world and help create a better place because I think we need a revolution with this from the ground up. Yeah, you know, everything that you just shared, it can be, it can bring on a sense of overwhelm. Like I know when I went through what I call my quarter life crisis, but I call it an awakening, um, that's how I felt. Like I just felt, I was seeing all these things for the first time it felt like, you know, uh, after a whole childhood of growing up in quite a, a a privileged life life, I was seeing all this for the first time. It felt really overwhelming, but it, I just had to land on what you just shared, which is asking yourself or asking myself, what, how can I show up to be my best self, express my best, and then shine that light onto the world? And that's that's the most that any individual can do. Absolutely. And without question, and it's the most important thing. And it's also the hardest thing of all. Because Mm. when we see things that we want to be different or fix or change, whether it be about the environment or, you know, anything we're passionate about, in many ways, it's actually a lot easier to just go out there and volunteer or donate money or, you know, shift or change something in a more public way and saying, yes, I'm making a difference, I'm doing it. And those things are very important, but they're not as important and they're not going to be sustainable long term if someone also doesn't look inside themselves and recognises the things that they need to do to heal their own environment, to look at their own Mm. relationships um, and, and so many other things within themselves first. 
And this is what I love so much about sacred leadership is that it keeps returning us to the very core belief and understanding that it's the work that you do on your inner world to to look at where you're not shining your full light, where you may be too controlling of others or yourself, to look at your perfectionism, um, your people pleasing, you know, all of those kinds of things. And that's where you, you get to ground yourself into the surety and knowing of who it is that you truly are. And from that place, you then get to consciously decide the impact that you want to make in the world rather than just being reactionary. It comes from a place of true knowing. I've, I've heard you speak before, Julie, about how a lot of current leadership is leadership from the ego. How can someone tell if their leadership at the moment, whether it is in a workplace, whether it's day to day, how can someone tell if their leadership is coming from a place of the ego versus the heart? And from there, how can they lean into and step into leading mm. from their heart more? Yeah, well, I think the first thing I want to say about this, Trang, is that if anybody recognises this within themselves, hello, normal, hello, usual, hello, there's nothing wrong with you, <laughs> you know, um, because our egos are very right? Our egos are really yeah. important and they play a really significant and important role in our life. And so if someone recognises some of these things within themselves, and I've 100% been here before too, and I have no doubt that I will be at some point in time again, it's not to say then that you're a bad person or that there's anything terribly wrong with you. Uh, it's simply a recognition so when we lead from the ego, we can see things like someone being more concerned about how we look to others than what it is that we're doing. Uh, it shows itself in things like uh, us really thinking about what am I going to get out of this? How is this going to elevate me, platform me? How can I get others to be involved in this, which really only has benefit for me? Um, ego-based leadership believes that somebody has to be the loudest, the strongest, the most confident, says the most, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So it's it's all very front. It does not necessarily involve a lot of other people. There's a lot of it's my way or the highway sort of stuff, mm. right? And the fact is, is that that style of leadership in certain situations can be outrageously uh, effective. Like if there is a crisis of some sort, I want someone like that as the leader in charge that knows what they're doing, right? As long as they've got the skills and they know what they're doing, I am very willing to listen to somebody who is in that zone of you need to do this, this is what needs to be done over here, and this is how we're going to get out of this. Um all for it. Fantastic. <laughs> um, but that's not all situations in life. So that's where we can see things are more egoic um, and or, you know, just a little bit harder, faster, not necessarily as open, involving, inclusive, equitable. And really leading from the heart, we can see is almost the opposite of that. It is often significantly slower and more gentle. There is not a huge sense of urgency about it. It is very involving. It's very inclusive of other people. It wants to, it's a style of leadership that wants to involve others in the decision-making process. Uh, it's where somebody will step aside willingly and gladly if someone else has skills and better knowledge in an area than they do and they won't get upset about that, they'll in fact be glad about it rather than feel threatened by it. And moving in that direction, like the third part of your question is like how do we move more into that? Again, we come back to the inner work. 
it is not possible to be a leader like that that is not threatened by others that doesn't need to be seen to be the best or the top or you know sitting at the on the throne in the castle all of those kinds of things unless we've done enough work on our own inner world to feel completely comfortable with who we are and that we don't need to be crowned or sashed or upheld as a guru or anything like that uh, to know that we're okay and that we have something to offer and that this is the way that fits and feels best for us to lead. And so if we want to live a more heart-centered life, if we want to be a more heart-centered leader, we have to come back to our own heart and truly, truly tap into our inner world to work out where it is that we need more love and attention from the inside out. Yeah, it, it always starts with that inner work, doesn't it? Because you need to do the inner work to lean into your heart. But first, you're going to do the inner work to even know currently where are you sitting? Are you operating more from one or the other? Like you've got to take a step back. You've got to remove yourself from the busyness and the noise and the distractions of day-to-day life so that you can actually shine that light and illuminate on okay, where's this coming from? Like, what's the driver of everything that I'm doing? Because it's not not obvious, you know, like how leadership led by the ego or the heart, from what I've observed, it can look the same. It can look the same, but the core driver can be different. And that's why it's not obvious. You're going to like, yeah, you're going to go step right back. (laughs) Hmm. I think you can be right there. In some instances, it's not necessarily always easy to tell apart. In saying that, though, I believe for anyone that is interested in in leadership and leading in their life, if you pay very close attention to how it is that you feel around certain people that have a leadership role in your life, whether it be a manager whether it be a matriarch in your family, uh, whether it be someone that you love to follow on social media and you're very influenced by them, which means they're leading you in some way. If you pay attention to how you feel around that person, whether it's in person, online, any sort of connection that you have with them, you will start to get clues as to how their style of leadership may be pinging you and impacting you. Because if there's any role or any part in it that makes you feel less than, looked down Mm -hmm. upon, stressed, anxious, unsure of yourself, not fully heard or not fully understood, we may be looking at more ego-based leadership. And again, there's no blame here for anyone where that's maybe coming forth. But if when you're with someone or following someone, you always get or most often get this feeling of being seen and heard Mm. and included and challenged but in a good way, Like it doesn't mean that everything is soft and easy and perfect all the time, but when someone stretches you or challenges you or you're even triggered in some way, it's a positive thing because you go, oh, okay, yes, I really should look at that for myself. That's when you know you're possibly more in the presence of somebody that is more sacred and heart-driven in how they're engaging in the world which is a very positive thing yeah yeah so well said julie thank you for for sharing that i I would love to change directions and actually have a look at your own journey julie because something that strikes me in your journey is that you've constantly embodied your truth and you've showed up with integrity even when 
it might be like ahead of the majority, even when most other people aren't doing what that is. So for example, what I mean is you became a life coach a couple, a couple of decades ago, I, I believe, um, when it was mm. like you were an early adopter. Mm. It, it, it was just the start of the coaching industry. It had just been born, right? And you're also a priestess in a world where most people don't know what priestesses are and full ownership. I didn't either before I started following you. And that, that takes, that takes courage, you know, becoming and doing things that are not normal by majority standards, not yet become mainstream. It takes courage and it takes leadership. So I'd be really interested to hear Julie, what are the inner processes that you've gone through navigating this path of leadership? Like specifically, is there anything that you ask yourself or any practices that you did in order to show up in this way? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a really big question and we're talking about, yes, almost 20 years of my life um, as a coach and being involved in the coaching industry, 25 years as a psychotherapist and about seven or eight years now as a, uh, as a priestess, which really in many ways is just another word for a female sacred leader uh, in, a, in a more spiritual sense. And I think the first thing that I just want to pay homage to here, Trang, is that I was heavily influenced in leading a very heart-based life and being a leader from my mother. Uh, I was raised by a single mum and she had to leave school when she was very young, only 14 years old, because she had a chronic illness that meant she was unable to attend school on an ongoing basis. And the options for her to be able to study by distance or be homeschooled really weren't available to her. And so I was raised by this incredible woman whose emotional intelligence is off the chart, even though academically she she did not go very far in school at all. And I do think to a certain extent that she saw in her two daughters, my sister and myself, she just simply wanted us to have all of the things that, that she never did. And so we received from her an extraordinary amount of encouragement and love and support to follow our heart, to follow our dreams, to really, really commit to living as big a life as we wanted to because she never really got to do that for herself in her own way. Not that she ever said that to us. You know, she never expressed that it to us in that way. But I was so inspired by that right from the very beginning, from early stages of my life. And I think that that has given me an enormous leg up in the world, if I'm being really honest, to have that form of loving parenting that said, you can do anything you want, you can be anything that you want. It gives you courage. That's what that gives mm. you. And so I really deeply owe that to my mother so, so significantly. And from there, it's just simply been a case of what is right for me as well as how can I make my life one that is of the deepest service that I possibly can. And so holding both of those questions for myself has been those things for myself has been what I've walked with all my life around making decisions that might to the outside look odd or strange to people, but to me was right. So I, I constantly kept turning into my inner world. And I think that was really ramped up significantly when my spiritual path and an awakening, like you said, you had an awakening at quarter life. I had one of those at about 40. 
So I had my my little awakening or big awakening really at about 40. And so mine was a bit later than yours, but it, it came about then. And then it was just really a matter of tuning in to understanding that I couldn't live my life for anybody else but me. I was the only person that I was in control of and I needed to keep returning to what it was that my heart was telling me. And so spending time with myself, you know, you mentioned about practices, meditation, um, a lot of time in nature and understanding that we don't go to nature, we are nature. And so a lot of time with with the earth, studying cycles and seasons, learning to love and appreciate my body, all of those kinds of things really helped me to tune in and to understand that I am my own compass in life and to not turn to anybody else for direction or external validation. It's nice to have those things. And yes, I still do call on friends and family and my mum, blessedly, she's still alive. And I call on her for counsel and wisdom and love all the time. But knowing that in the end, I get to decide what's right for me. And if that looks different to others, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't have to see it to believe it. I don't have to see it in someone else to know that it might be right for me. But it's taken a long time to get here, Trang. You know, I'm 50 years old this year. That's not something that I always believed or knew. It's something I've had to work hard at to get to this point. Yeah, I'm really glad that you've shared that, Julie, because something that I hear very often with women who I speak to is that voice that comes up when they're they're starting to take steps forward, they're, they're showing up as their best and focusing on how they can serve, just like you shared. But then there's that voice that comes up that asks, you know, what if I fail? What if other people think certain things of me? And, and that voice, it just, it pops up and it, it doesn't ever go away forever, does it? Like, you know, no matter what level you get to or no matter what, um, how much experience you have, that voice, it keeps coming up. But it sounds like through doing the ongoing work and focusing, like just purely turning your attention and and filling up your heart and your mind with how can I serve the world? How can I be my best? That Would you say that that crowds out the other voice? It certainly can be medicine and a soothing balm Mm. and an antidote to it. But Trang, you are so right. It never fully goes away. That's our ego voice. It's always with us in some form or another. But what I've done, and I hope that what I'm about to share is helpful for everyone listening, is that I've learned to see it, that voice of fear or doubt or comparisonitis or whatever it may be, in a very different way to what I once used to. I now, when I hear that voice, am actually excited because we only ever have that voice come to us about things that are really important to us, about things that matter, about things that are calling us to step up into a higher place. That's why it is perceived fear. It's not the fear, of course, of being chased by a lion. It's a fear that is a creation in our own mind. What will others think of me? What if I fail? What if this doesn't work? What if I try and I get ridiculed? all of those things. Congratulations. If you hear that voice, it means that you are on the the precipice of something big. It means that something wonderful is happening. It means that you're stretching yourself. It means you're challenging yourself. And if you can just look at what that voice is telling you underneath its literal words with compassion and with curiosity, you will find that all it's really, really asking you is how much do you want this and what are you going to do about it? And that's the way that I see that voice now because, yes, it comes to me absolutely still and I expect it to come to me for the rest of my life. When it does, I now go, 
oh, hello, you're here. <laughs> we must be close. You've you've decided to appear and I've, okay, you're here now. I now know we're close here. And so I've got to dig in. I've got to keep going. I know that you're here to remind me about how much I want this. So thanks for the tip. Thanks for the reminder. I'm not going to get caught up in your fear or your doubt. I'm instead going to tap into my love and tap into my resilience and I'm going to keep going. Yeah, it's like it's like a, the guiding star, like the that north-facing compass. Like when you hear that voice, when you feel that fear, you know you're going in the right direction. Yeah, it absolutely can be that for sure. And so if we can reframe it and flip it and see it that way, instead of seeing it as a reason to stop or stall, we change our life. Mm. What's the most impactful piece of advice that you've received on sacred leadership, Julie? I'm not really certain that it's necessarily an exact piece of advice or something that someone directly said to me. But I worked with an incredible Indigenous leader. Her name is Dr. Janara Garengaring, and she was my mentor in the realm of sacred leadership for some time. And I think the thing that I learned from Janara most of all was just to understand that we're all as human beings on a path to healing and wholeness, that all of us have wounds, that all of us have fears and insecurities, and that it's not the existence of those things that is important, that it's about what we choose to do about them and how we choose to, to love ourselves and honour our needs on the path of sacred leadership that we're on and to understand as well that no one's path with this is the same as anyone else's and the permission that that gave me to be messy and to sometimes be you know caught up in my own feels and or make mistakes and or not get things right all the time and then in turn, when those things happened, not turn on myself was truly life-changing. It helped me to release so much perfectionism around who I needed to be as an entrepreneur and a manager and a boss and a friend and a wife and a priestess and a leader and a coach and a mentor and all of the things that I thought those things needed to be and instead stripped that away to understand that I get to define what those things are for me and they are far from perfect and they're far from okay all the time. Really, I think it's about an embracing of humanity and to understand that we are messy. You know, I only just shared yesterday on Instagram the most wonderful quote or not a quote, it was actually like a whole piece of writing that I came across and I had to share it. And that piece of writing ended with the question. And as a coach, I love powerful questions very, very much. It simply asked the question so potently and so powerfully, but also so simply of how much can you love yourself in your mess? Mm. and it just stopped me in my tracks I was like that is a wonderful question because we can all love ourselves when we're doing great when we're shining when we're receiving praise when things are going wonderfully well but how much can we love ourselves when we're feeling a little broken or tender-hearted or sticky or stretched or even outright not coping very well at all. How much love can we show ourselves in those times? Uh, I know that's a, a, a sort of a roundabout way of answering that question, but I think it comes back to humanity. Sacred leadership is about humanity. I think that's the best advice or the best learning I've had on the path. Yeah, that's very powerful because um, something that I have observed is yeah like you know a lot of people may feel intimidated 
at the idea of being a leader because they might not feel like they have that job title or, you know, the, the label in, in the workplace that means they can be in a leadership position. But so at the same time, a lot of these these people, they feel the call and they feel the pull to show up in their role as a human being and to use their voice to enact positive change in the world they they want that and what you just shared like you know even when you're messy even when you're not perfect even by being a human being with all these flaws you can still be a leader and it's in loving yourself and learning to love yourself in your mess that you then can rise up to be an even stronger leader a more powerful leader more influential leader for change all the yeses train all the yeses i just could not agree with you more and i think that this is the style of leadership the embodiment of leadership that so many people now are craving and calling for and for others not even necessarily knowing that it's what they want and knowing that it's what they need to see in others and in themselves, but just knowing that what they're seeing ain't working for them anymore. Mm. And this is why I think even in places like the online world and social media landscape, it's not a coincidence that either when we or others post things that are maybe a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more authentic and genuine, whether it be this didn't quite go the way I wanted it to or I'm struggling with this right now uh, or this is something that I wanted to go this way and it didn't or here's how I'm dealing with some mess for myself, that the response that people get is often significantly more rich and deep and potent and large than it is for other things that they may share. That's not a coincidence. We're craving authenticity and realness and an understanding and a desire to see ourselves reflected in each other. We don't want to see perfectionism. We don't want to see, you know, control all the time because it's not the lived reality of most people. Mm. It's just, it's not. Uh, in fact, it's not the lived reality of any of us because beneath the perfection, there is always something deeper and more messy and therefore beautiful and real and raw and authentic going on underneath. Yeah, there's because you know with social media it is very easy to curate that that perfect image, and it, it can be easy to get drawn into that. Like the the ego part of us is like, wow, like what a perfect world, what a perfect person to idolize. But then when someone does post something more vulnerable, more authentic, and that's when we feel that heart connection, that that soul connection, and we we go like one layer deeper of connection and and feeling, um, yeah, like just feeling that bond of we're all humans living this shared experience on planet Earth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is where we get to see our humanity in each other. We don't get to see humanity in perfectionism because it's not real. It's unattainable. Um, we mm. see our humanity in our uh, in our mistakes, in our everyday lived experience, in you know what it means to just show up imperfectly every day. That's where we get to relate to each other on a really real, genuine basis, and that's where I believe leadership lives. I've got. One more question on leadership, Julie, before we go into our rapid fire questions. 
And this is the opposite of the question that I just asked before. So the question is, what is a narrative on leadership that you hear often that you know is untrue and you you want to shed light on it's not so narrow, it's not so black and white? It is such a myth that for somebody to be a truly wonderful leader, they have to be wildly extroverted and confident and somebody that, you know, really feels as though they've got enormous skills in things like public speaking and, you know, just really drawing people towards them in a supposedly charismatic way. Introverted people, highly sensitive people can absolutely and also be wonderful, wonderful leaders. That view of leadership where somebody has to be extroverted and confident all the time and out the front and speaking and, you know, just all of that sort of stuff, that's a hangover from the very patriarchal, hierarchical, you know, type of leadership that so many of us see all the time on the news every single day. And I know that it often translates into people thinking, well, I can't be a leader because I'm not a good public speaker or I feel nervous about this or I'm not extroverted, I'm introverted and whatever it is that that may mean to them. It's time we busted that myth wide open because people who identify in all different ways and in all different ranges make incredible leaders. And it's so important that we see people who are more introverted and uh, have skills and gifts and qualities in other areas other than what we may see all the time in leadership step forth and and really claim that for themselves uh so yeah that's one that i'd love to see get burst wide open yes that's such a good one like when when you were speaking i thought of one of my clients who at the very start she expressed that every time i spoke about i see each of my clients as a leader in their role as a human being like she almost felt repelled by it because it's just something that she'd never considered before. And then after a period of time, um, I remember she came mm. to me and she was like, Tran, I, I stepped into leadership today simply by going into the gym and using the chalk that's at the gym and writing this uplifting message on the ground in front of the chalk box. And a week later, she'd gone back into the gym and that message was still there. So it hadn't been rubbed off. And you know, how many people probably walked past and taken chalk from that box over a week. And that was her stepping into leadership. And it didn't require, you know, public speaking or extroversion or anything like that. It is just her spreading her light and touching other people. Beautiful. A beautiful example. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Julie, let's Let's go into the final part of the podcast. This is where I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions so that we can get to know you a little bit more. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Question number one, mornings or nights? Mornings, 100% and without question, always. Farm girl here, farm girl. So once, once you're in that life, it's very hard to get out. Yeah. Is that like waking up at 4 a.m. as soon as the roosters wake up? Is that where it comes from? Well, yeah, pretty much. It, it's like, And it's not necessarily 4 a.m., but 5 to 5.30 a.m. is not unusual for me. Yeah, definitely early, early bed. <laughs> um, all right, favourite place to travel? Oh, my gosh, anywhere where it is warm and yeah, anywhere that it's it's warm and you just want to be outside and enjoying nature and the environment. And it's like beautiful places here in Australia, but also overseas. I I love the look of the snow and the cold and the fresh. And I've traveled in winter before, but I so much prefer to travel when it's warm. Agreed. Give me the love tropical that. feels. 
Yes. The sun on the, the sun on your skin, like just breathing that fresh air. Love it. Um, all right. Next one. How many coffees a day, Julie? Oh, one. However, a couple of times mm-hmm. a week, I may have two, but I would never have more than two. I have had three before and let's just say we won't go there again. <laughs> So yeah, one most of the time, one. two maybe a couple of times a week. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Next one. Who is your inspiration? Oh my gosh, I don't know the answer to that question. That's it. It's something that fluctuates and changes significantly, um, at various different times. I'm going to say, because this is what, it, you know, it could be my mum at a particular point in time. Um, I also adore the work of Brene Brown. I think her work is phenomenal and I'm a social worker by profession and so I have a, a real affinity with her work and words. But you know what? I'm so inspired by the coaches that I train, the work that they're doing out in the world as their own sacred leaders is just truly phenomenal. So they inspire so much of what I do as an entrepreneur and a leader and wanting to be better and more in service to them and those incoming all the time. So that's that's what feels resonant for me at the moment. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. And final question, Julie. This is this can be you know serious or it can be fun as well. If you could only do one hobby for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, grow roses. Oh. Yeah. And now I'm grow like flowers, but specifically roses, garden. <laughs> That's it. That'll do. <laughs> if that was the only thing that I could do, that was that so that 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 would be it. I, yeah. I adore flowers and roses and they, yeah, oh, gosh, you can see from my my hands all of a sudden started to, you know, get, become really animated. I just find it such an extraordinary thing to do. It's beautiful to watch their seasons and cycles, to watch them bud, watch them bloom, watch them decay, watch them die, mm. see it happen all over again. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful, beautiful spend of time. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'll be one of those nanas that has the best rose garden (laughs) on the street. You just watch. (laughs) West Gippsland, watch out. (laughs) Yeah, you better. Yeah, I'm coming for you. (laughs) And, like, just coming out of spring as well, I can only imagine your garden would have been, you know, beautiful and just lush with colours. Absolutely. And so I'm looking forward to planting that garden um, in 2023 really soon. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Julie, we've been chatting for almost an hour now. I've loved every minute of this and I would love to continue this, but you know, we, we, we do have to wrap up the episode at some point. So what I do want to finish off with is asking you to share about your sacred leadership retreat that you're running in 2023. I know that's coming up and anything, anything else that you would like to shout from the mountaintops. Oh, well, that's very kind of you, Trang. Thank you. Yeah, we do. I run uh, an incredible sacred leadership retreat in Torquay, Victoria at the beautiful summer house. Uh, I co-facilitate that with an incredible coach by the name of Joe Parker and It is a chance for people who are space holders, so coaches, therapists, psychologists, yoga teachers, anybody that holds sacred space for other human beings to come away and work on themselves, to work on their capacity to hold space for themselves and therefore others. So that's taking place in June next year. And the the one we ran last year sold out um, before we even went public. Uh, And so there is an interest list um, on my Instagram bio. People can sign up there or send me an email at my website and I'll make sure you get popped on that list for when we release everything next year. Uh, It's only for eight people. It's very boutique. 
and high touch. It's a really beautiful experience. And so I'm so looking forward to running that again next year. Mm, Yes. And for those who do want to find your Instagram, what's your Instagram handle for them to get to you? Yeah, it's Julesy Parker. So J-U-L-E-S-Y Parker. And uh, yeah, love to connect on there. Yeah, perfect. I'll put your details and your website in the podcast description as well. So all be there. Well, Julie, thank you so much for the last hour. This has been a, a beautiful conversation. Like I mentioned at the start, I was moved and I felt, you know, emotional a couple of times hearing you speak and hearing you exude your your passion over the decades that you've been in this space. So I, I really appreciate you coming onto this show and I cannot wait to share this episode with others. Like it's going to be great. Thank you so much for having me, Trang. It's really been a joy and your questions have been really beautiful and thought provoking and so much love to everyone listening and and hoping that you really know that there's a sacred leader that lives inside of you and uh, you know to follow your heart and connect in with yourself and you'll find them in there. Thank you, Julie. We'll speak soon. And that is my conversation with Julie Parker. I don't know about you, but I am feeling so uplifted, so inspired and loving after that episode. (laughs) Like Julie just shines such beautiful energy. And I'm sure that you felt that listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed this chat, then please let us know. Send myself or Julie a message. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you got from it. Because no doubt there were many things that you could take away from this episode and apply it in your day to day so that you can be the highest version of yourself as well as shine your light and touch others around you for the better. All right, fam, you enjoy the rest of your day and I'll catch you in the next episode.